Hey, it's Bethany. I hope you're still sticking to your health-based New Year's resolution, but if not, I have a way to help you out. Hero Bread listened to the needs of people like you and me. Their new bread has zero to one gram of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, it's high in fiber, and now it's made with olive oil for more healthy fats. And it's the fluffy, delicious bread that tastes great with anything or just by itself. Get 10% off your first order with code JUSTBE at Hero.co. That's just be at hero.co. Are you getting ready for your spring break? If you're hitting the beach, retreating lakeside, or lounging at the pool, then get everything you need for your vacation at Maisie's. From bathing suits and sandals to beach towels and even sunscreen, find everything you're throwing into your bag. Plus, you can order online and pick up in-store or curbside or get same-day delivery. Wow. Head on over to Macy's.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Andrew McCarthy is an actor, writer, and director, and you may know him from some of his most iconic 80s films like Pretty in Pink, St. Elmo's Fire, and Less Than Zero, just to name a few, seen every minute of them multiple times. But that's not all. Andrew is also an author and is releasing his new book, Walking with Sam, which is an intimate and funny travel memoir following Andrew as he walks the Camino de Santiago with his son, Sam. This is Just Be with Andrew McCarthy. Very excited. So we have to get some awkward things out of the way, if that's okay with you. Yeah, go. Okay. So I, and I'm not, this is not me like um, fantasizing about many different people, but I only had two childhood, like everyone had a bunch. Actually, I liked Duran Duran a lot, but I had two like ride or die childhood crushes and don't get jealous. One was Matt Dillon and the other one was you, but like you lasted longer I, that sounded wrong, but I, I Matt Dillon was like early. <laughs> well, I like during, to pride myself on you. Yes, you lasted longer than Matt Dillon. Um, but I, you just really, and the career that you've created and curated and molded and sculpted into something so interesting now makes me proud that I bet on the right horse early, like mannequin early. So that's just something I wanted to get out of the way. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I've, I've watched everything you've done. I just, in, mm-hmm. in addition to being a heartthrob for so many, you're so talented and your writing is amazing. So I was really excited when Jill told me that you were going to be on this podcast. Oh, thanks. I, I'm equally as excited. So thank you. Thank awesome. You. Okay. So, uh, but I really mean it. You have cultivated this career that to me seems like you're really doing things the way, exactly the way that you want to do it now where you started out obviously as an unknown, which everyone's an unknown when they start out, but, and you've gotten to this point, it feels like where you're doing really things that you're really passionate about, but you still are able to monetize them and have people receive them. And you just have an interesting, different career in addition to acting. Is that accurate? Do you do a lot of things you don't want to do? Well, that's a nice way to look at it. Um, I don't do as many things as I 
that I don't want to do as I used to. You're right in the sense that I, uh, I'm i not a good businessman. Unlike you, I'm a terrible businessman. And so I, or business person, uh, so I just do what I want to do and sort of feels right to me. And uh, I mean, who goes from being an actor to being, uh, you know, in movies and TV to being a travel writer for, you know, that, that's very downwardly mobile, you know? And, uh, and then I started writing these books and stuff. So, yeah, I just tend to do what I want, what makes me feel good and what I like to do. And I also am a person that likes as few votes as possible in my life. And so I don't want to need a lot of a big committee to approve of what I'm doing. Whereas in acting, you're always waiting for somebody to call you and give you a chance. Whereas I like to do, I want to do this, I'm going to go do this. And I do do it sort of like the books and the travel writing and various things, like for fun and for free. I do them because I want to do them and hopefully they work out. You know, so you don't crowdsource ideas whatsoever, or do you crowdsource no. and then ultimately not at all? Okay, but what's interesting I, though, I, I do the opposite of crowdsourcing, I don't tell anybody for as long as possible about what I want to do because invariably people can kind of, yeah, and that'll kill it for me, it'll just wither on the vine for me. I just do what I feel to do, and okay, is it ready to go out and withstand public scrutiny? I hope so. There it is. So I do the opposite of crowdsourcing. <laughs> it's funny that you say that, though, because there are a lot of, you know, aspiring business people that listen to this show. And I plan less than one would think. I don't have a big grand plan. I, too, do what I want to do and always have. But I do think about the chessboard. And it sounds like you don't think about the chessboard. You just are, like, moving that piece. And you've you've, you've been, like, you know, Forrest Gump ended up in a pretty good place. And I'm not saying you're not intelligent. I'm just saying he put one foot in front of the other and did whatever was right in front. And it seemed to really work out for him. So I, I am looking at far more, far more successful if I had more of an eye on the horizon and this will lead to that. And then I want to do that. And then I okay. far successful if I did that. Okay, so how do you manage the business aspects of your life and, you know, for your provide for your family and who does all the business stuff and how do you know you can trust them and how do you manage knowing what you don't know? Because that's as important as knowing what you do know. Well, I know what I don't like to do and I'm not real strong at. So I just hire people that can help me do that, those aspects of, of business and money and stuff. And, you know, having to provide for multiple children and parents and things, it sort of keeps a fire under me to go, okay, what do I got to do next? What's next? What's next? So I'm always thinking about what's next, but I'm not, but I, I wish I had that kind of vision to sort of, okay, in five years, I want to be doing this. You know, I just never could think like that. And, you know, well, people, you know, I've trusted people that have handled, helped me with money and things and it's paid off. Have you had a lull in your career or you have really just one foot in front of the other, been working the entire time, some version well, of success? I've been working the entire time, but I'd say there was a lull for 10, 15 years. The 90s really were a lull for me in the sense I did bad movies or bad TV things I would pop in on. And it wasn't until I discovered uh, travel writing by accident, which led to sort of a creative rebirth for me, and it led to books and things. And talking about it and, uh, and being involved in that world that was sort of a rebirth for me and then it sort of that led somehow it, i think it boosted my confidence suddenly i was sort of directing again i started directing television shows and that led to some acting and stuff so you know success breeds success and stuff but i'd say there was a good 10 15 years where i wow. was in the wild and just sort of trying to recapture past glories you know and that is never a good uh, thing and it's just not satisfying 
Right. That's chasing the dragon. Most of the people that are very successful that come on here really are not motivated by money. They're motivated by passion. And that 10 years, was that, did you resent the way that you came into this business during those 10 years? Like that you came in in the Brat Pack and those movies that were so successful, but that's peaking early and then having, that's a long time to have a lull. I mean, in that kind of public environment that you work. Well, you know, also people aren't really paying attention to anybody that's that closely. But um, did I resent it? No, it took me years, decades to come to terms with my early success and to realize what a blessing it was, whereas it felt very stigmatizing and I think was professionally stigmatizing for a number of years uh, and for decades. Uh, and so it took me a long time to come to terms with that, really to writing that book about the Brat Pack. And my time uh, writing Brat helped me really see, you know, the gifts that came with that as opposed to just uh, the stigma that came with it. Because it, now it's a very kind of iconic and fuzzy, warm phrase and it recalls a moment of youth for a certain generation. And, you know, I'm like this avatar of their youth. And so they look at me with kind of an affection because I represent something in their youth. You you know, you're a mannequin to you, you know, and uh that's wonderful that it's become that and kind of amazing that I become that. But for a long time, it wasn't that. And when it right. did come, when the term was coined, it was, quite, you know, a very negative term. You know, it was New York Magazine in the mid 80s, right. which was snarky and very, you know, and it was a real takedown. And, you know, I've always said, you know, Marty Scorsese and Steven Spielberg aren't going to call somebody who's in the Brat Pack to be in the movie. Ah. It's you know? funny because it's true. That's that was my that's my era of 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 movies, you know. And I wanted to to move to L.A. and like you know see you and live in the movie Pretty in Pink. And um, well, I lived in New York, so you would have missed me. <laughs> oh my God! Well, so that was my era, and I know exactly what you're talking about because I did read those articles, and I also know what you're talking about because I tried to do a rinse from the Housewives being clumped in. I, I like you, didn't like to be clumped in, and you're trying to do a rinse, so you're kind of not remembering where you came from, but you recognize that it was good to you. It's like a mixed relationship with something. And when you come to a point where you could have a good relationship with it and, you, you know, just like it's got some just like a nice memory to you overall, that's a good place to get. So I, I actually oddly relate to that because it's got no, a bad exactly connotation. The, it's exactly the same. You know, you're dismissed as this or that. And it's like, wait, you're not even seeing me. And particularly when you're young, it's like, you just want to be, that's all any of us ever want is to be seen, see who I am, you know? And so later in life, you know, with these books and various things and starting to direct and the, the stuff I've been doing acting wise a little bit. So I've gone back to that a little bit. It's much more, you know, since I stopped caring in a certain sense, I just yes. don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. And hopefully it's successful enough that I'll get another opportunity to keep doing it. But the rest of it, I don't really I just don't care anymore. I get that. You're the least the least interested party always wins. I tell my 12-year-old at school if there's a boy or something, I'm like, just relax. It's going to be what it's going to be. It's funny that you say that. And I read part of your book, Brad, that we're talking about. It's so much more than the title, the writing. You're a really good writer. Like Just the way you describe some small, nuanced moment in a scene is really interesting. Or the when you met Jacqueline Bissett, like... You're very, very descriptive. It's just really real. Like I was like reading more than I needed to for this podcast and I felt like I was reading a book. And I was like, oh my God, I said to Jill, uh, Andrew and my publicist coincidentally, I said to Jill, he's a good writer. Like I, I'm, I'm impressed. So I like that you kind of 
have a whole other layer to your life and career and then that there's travel is it that you love to travel uh, is it that you love to write or that you really love to just write about travel well i mean you know acting changed my life when i was 15 years old i walked out on stage in the high school play as the artful dodger and oliver and my life is different after that you know mm. like, that's what i'm that's what I'm and talk about no crowdsourcing. I knew it was so important to me that I didn't tell a soul. I just wow. went, wow, something happened to me. Don't tell anybody. Wow. And so that's what I'm doing with my life. And then, you know, when I was traveling, I was walking across the Camino de Santiago. It's a longer answer than you wanted, which no, is insane. it's not. So it's not longer. Insane to like 28 years ago. And I had a moment where I sort of had a moment of clarity where I broke down in sobs in the middle of this wheat field. And I realized how much sort of fear had dominated my life. And it was a very liberating moment. And so I just started traveling the world a lot alone and traveling because then it was like my university. And I was kicked out of college and travel was like my university. I, I discovered who I was by being far from home and alone in the world. And mm. it was, a, and I felt paradoxically very safe, alone, far from home in the world. And so then I just started writing about that and that just then evolved into books and stuff. So I, I love, I think travel is meaningful and changes people's lives if we let it. And it's not just about, you know, bucket lists and, you know, Instagram shots. It's, it's profound and meaningful if, if we let it be. And so that was important to me. And I felt the same way when I did that, that I felt when I first started acting, you know, I felt like, oh, there I am. That's me. I feel like me when I do that. And Interesting. so- and then I, so I kept, then I kept, and the more I, you know, and I'm pretty much of a loner in many ways. So I, I love to sit alone in the room and write. That's Same. the music I do all day, you know? So, uh, you know, and, and then the thing with that is that it's, that it's received and fairly successful is great. But on the other hand, as you know, as well, it's like, I'll always be, oh, he's the actor. I think he's a writer now. Okay. And to that, I can do nothing about that. So I just go, whatever. If you bother to read it, you'll have a real opinion as opposed to just some, preconceived notion you know and uh, again that's none of my business though right but how does this travel which seems like and i, I want to get to your book um when you travel with your son but how does this travel mesh with your relationships because i think about things that i like to do by myself and there's certain types of travel i like to do by myself and certain types i like to do with my daughter not with my partner and it sounds like there's a lot of exploration and solitude so how do you pull away and you know this is like your city slickers go find your smile happy place like how do you craft how do you get that because many people have all these you know the kids the work the obligation the partner oh, yeah, and that's your that. own thing I don't get to as much as anymore as the answer and I got all these pesky kids um <sighs> and you know traveling with other people is a very different thing than traveling alone and you know and that's fine great so i don't get to as much as i used to i i still occasionally will sneak away uh but like next week i'm going to, to botswana for a travel story for a magazine and i'm taking my nine-year-old son with me you know so you know i told the magazine I go, okay that's great i'll do the story but i gotta take my nine-year-old because he wants to see elephants <laughs> and so it's a great privilege you know right but it's different it's different than you be it's like a little oh, selfish trap yeah of course it is it's entirely different entirely different selfish travel that could be like a blog or something um so and also you know you've directed almost as much as you've acted like you've directed things that I was surprised by I didn't I mean I was reading through everything about you and there have been a lot of things that you've touched that I definitely wouldn't have known so how about directing is that where does that fall on your list of passions well you know directing something I stumbled into because I I directed the early episodes of 
Orange is the New Black, when that was still, you know, when Netflix was like people that sent you DVDs to your house in the mail. Mm -hmm. And and so I directed a bunch of those and then suddenly came on and was the sensation of the of the year. And suddenly I was a brilliant director because I directed mm. You know, and so I was successful then. And so I just stumbled into this career of being a television director, which I did and continued to do for, you know, the last 15 years or so. But I have to say, it's, it's not as, um, in all candor, directing television is just ultimately not very satisfying work. It's like uh, you get in great shape. It's sort of like going to the director gym when, you know, it's like working arms one week and working shoulders, but you're not really doing something deeply creative and satisfying. Ultimately, I'm servicing your vision if I'm directing a TV show. That's not your own show. So it's wow. not, well, I've come to a place where it's, I'm, ha I'm quite proficient at it. I, you know, I'm good at it because it's just something I've spent my whole life on set. So I know how they work. I know where time is wasted. I know what, what one needs to do. And to be a good TV director, you have to be decisive and I know how to make a decision. And so, you know, I enjoy it, but ultimately I find it not that uh, satisfying. Probably. That's interesting because I thought that a little bit about acting because it's someone else's character, someone else's story versus just playing, your, being yourself, like being able to express yourself and improvise. And I think about like shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm where someone gets to just sort of riff a little bit. So how does how do you get to really explore as an actor when you're playing someone else's words and someone else's character? Well, that's entirely different. You know, but acting's funny to me because it's like breathing to me. Like I just started, I had acted on a show this last year. I hadn't really acted in a good 10 years and acted on a show for a season. And it was just going back to it again. It was, I'd learned so much in that interval of 10 years of working with mm -hmm. actors, you know. And so, um, but there's something very different about acting. It's not like that. It's, it's something very private and uh, intimate with yourself in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, I always say directing is stressful and acting causes anxiety because you, you know, you're trying to summon things up inside you and sort of share them in a way that you're both open and vulnerable and yet protected. And so mm -hmm. it's a complicated dance you're playing with yourself if you're going to try and be truthful and good at it. So I, I just, you know, I suppose first and foremost, I'm an actor. So coming back to it just feels very natural to me. Right. Well, meeting you, I see you in a lot of your the characters you play, which is comforting. You know, often you see someone and like they're nothing like the characters that they've played. So you man have managed to have a career where, well, you don't may not want anyone to know who you are, but who I'm not like, wow, he's nothing like he was. On you know what I'm saying? Like even in the early stuff, I'm seeing a little, a lot of you in you. Does that make any sense? Sure, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing to say that except yeah. I mean, I, I'm not one of those. I am not a chameleon. It's true. But yeah. I'm trying to reveal sort of, it sounds so pretentious, but you just want to reveal something truth so that truthful so that, that as you're watching, you go, oh, I feel that. I know. And you just nod your head. It's like the same thing in writing. If you can get the reader to nod their head, you know, it's like, okay, I get what you're talking You know, then you have a connection mm -hmm. and that connection is all you ever really want with people or somehow identification and connection and we're less alone. And isn't that what, what all this storytelling is about is to make people less alone. Yeah. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you getting ready for spring break? If you're hitting the beach, retreating lakeside, or lounging at the pool, then get everything you need for your vacation at Macy's. We love Macy's. We love spring break. And Macy's is all about the highs and lows. From bathing suits and sandals to beach towels and even sunscreen, find everything you are throwing into your bag. How excited are we? Plus, you can order online and pick up in store or curbside or get same-day delivery. Head on over to Macy's.com. I love Macy's. Usually when I hear healthy bread, my first thought is goodbye flavor, goodbye texture, Goodbye happiness. But Hero Bread is changing all that. With 0 to 1 gram of net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and a good source of fiber, Hero Bread is delicious and flavorful bread you can feel great about eating. It's like magic. Enjoy the soft, fluffy experience that you love when relishing a refreshing BLT, savory breakfast burrito, or mouth-watering cheeseburger. It's heavenly bread you can indulge in whenever and have peace of mind serving your family for lunch, road trips, after-school snacks, whenever. And that's not all. Hero Bread is listening to their biggest fans and has just launched their new recipe made with heart-healthy olive oil. So if your goals involve eating healthier without sacrificing flavor, check out Hero Bread's sliced bread and tortillas. Get 10% off Hero Bread's new recipe with code JUSTBE at checkout today at Hero.co. That's 10% off with code JUSTB at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Can you answer what percentage, this is like a fantasy stupid question, but I just want to hear from your perspective. What percentage do you think in your career is luck, work, hard work, and skill? Like, you know, each, is it a third, a third, a third, or have you been very lucky or have you worked your ass off to get there? Like, what's the combo? You know, Ben Hogan was a great golfer and he always used to say the luck is in the dirt, meaning he would practice hours and hours and hours hitting golf balls in the dirt. And, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get, I think. Mm -hmm. And but I have been wildly fortunate and there are moments when people have helped me in the most unlikely ways and... My first job I ever got was because some a friend of mine called me up and said, I saw an ad in the newspaper. They're looking for someone 18, vulnerable and sensitive to be the lead in the movie, an open call. And I'm like, that's me. So had he not called me and told me that I never would have gone to this open call with 500 other 18, vulnerable and sensitive kids, you know, but and time and time again, people have sort of angels just passing through my life have just kind of pointed something out and if i have any ability it's been able to recognize that instant when someone points to something for it to go it's like that's in star wars when they shoot that missile at the end and it goes into the death star and it finds its way down Mm -hmm. i've been able to hear those moments really and they go deep and i go after those things so that's my skill in a certain way but um luck is a massive force and timing 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 it's a whole Mm -hmm. matter you know the brat pack happened and those movies happened because of what had been happening through the 70s and movies evolving and then suddenly discovering of a youth market and then, you know, boom, there it happens. And John Hughes comes along at that instant. And so it's all, and I happen to be one of those guys at that instant. Right. So I'm You walked into the right room. Like you just happened to walk into that room and that room was like... Yeah, and then it's also what when you walk into that room, though, 
because other people walk into that room. You walk into that room, you have to, this is the moment right now, deliver. And you have to, when your moment comes, you have to be ready to deliver. And there have been many times in my life when I haven't been ready when the moment comes. Well, I'm be- yes, that makes me think of like you're on the boat, you have your net, you're prepared, you know, you're centered. And then like so you are you know how to go where the fish are or for surfers. I always think it's like a set. You know, there's a lot of shitty waves that come. And if you try to battle it and like go in and get beaten down, you're too tired for when the good set comes. Or you could just sit and chill and wait. And you're like, this is about to be a, a good set. You know, I, I think there's a million. That's really good. Yeah, I, I think that's very true. And we do beat ourselves. I mean. So many times I'm just grinding to try and make a not good set into a good one. And it's like, this mm-hmm. isn't a good wave. No matter what you're doing here and how hard you're beating yourself up and grinding, this is never going to be a good ride here. So, and now you just missed a good one because exactly. you were trying to. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what, it, that's, that's what but I think. But you do have to be able to write you. That takes trust in waiting for that. Okay. I, I wait for this. And then knowing when it's coming. Okay, go. Because often those good waves, to carry this metaphor, are a little bigger than we're comfortable yes. with. Yes. Like, you better oh, fucking shit. ride that thing like it's your got, 100%. Play tennis yeah, with a better... Fear, yeah. here. fear takes over. You somehow don't quite catch it right. And you can blame all sorts of things. But it's really fear that made you miss it. And so those waves will always be bigger than we're ready for if you wanted success to take you to the next level, right? And I've often... I've found myself missing those waves at times because I doubt it in an instant when you just need to go. 100. That's a great. It's so true. That's such a true thing about it. The waves a little bigger than you, but too bad. This is your moment. You ride it. That's so, so interesting. And Kelly Ripa said to me, alcohol is unnecessary, which I thought I always say to her, you're like a little wise owl. So what do you think about that <laughs> sentence? I mean, Clearly it is. I mean, it almost destroyed my life, but I mean, uh, clearly it's unnecessary. I mean, I've lived without it for 30 years now. My life's gotten much better, <laughs> but it did. Uh, but it's also, I thought it was, it became necessary. There's a certain, you know, if you have a problem with alcohol and you're attracted to alcohol and it's attracted to you and you meet, it, it seems like it's solving a lot of problems. You know, there's a great line, a man takes a drink, then a drink takes a drink. Then the drink takes the man, you know, oh. and you don't know when that's happening. You know, mm-hmm. alcohol, it's a good panacea and a social lubricant and even professional one. And at a certain point, it turns in and attacks you. But that point of when it does that is invisible. And in my experience, and so, you know, alcohol is a slippery slope. You know, it's for me, it was vicious, you know. But, it yeah, really it, was. That was during that 10 years? No, I'd, I'd, I'd stopped drinking by then. It took me a long time. I stopped drinking in 92. And I'd say for 10 years after that, I was in the wild professionally. But I also would say it took me a long time for my head to clear and emotionally to get myself under me again after I stopped. Uh, I drank probably for about 10 years in a, in a serious way, maybe eight. Um, and in a way that was destructive. And uh, so it took a while to recover from that. But it's not even something you think about now, right? Do you even think about it? It's just like something, it's somebody used to know, no? Well, it just is now, you know. But yeah. I, any good alcoholic will tell you, which I consider myself, when all bets are off for tomorrow, you know, in a certain way. Alcohol is a funny thing, you know, and it's a slippery slope, you know, like we said. And so, uh, I mean, yes, it's very much, my life now is very much being, not not drinking, it just is in my life. Right. But it, 
again, I think if you know, I don't think I'm a um, cucumber again. I think once you pick a cucumber, it's a pickle. So I don't right. think if I, I poured some more vodka down my throat, it would be a good, great idea. You know, too much to lose too. I have a wondrous life, you know, and I have too much to lose. And uh, well, I did not know that your son was your son, and I watched dead to me with my daughter and like now it makes sense to me he's an interesting actor and he's a little he's depth he's got depth charm complex you know the boyish charm that uh you have so that makes when i heard that i'm like wow that's so interesting so he's an actor and how old your daughter she's 12 it's young for her to watch that stuff but she watches she watched Handmaid's Tale. She walked in and she fell in love with it. I was watching crazy stuff when I was a kid, so that's okay. How old is he? How old is Sam? Sam's 21 now. So he's 21, and have you always been close and had a good relationship with him? Yes, is the simple answer. Yes, we did. I mean, I, I was terrified of my father and had no relationship with my father at all. Uh, when I left home at 17, I never, that was the end of our relationship, really, and uh, until he was dying basically, when I went to him. But uh, so it was really, you know, kind of the most important thing in my life. I always, mm -hmm. I, if I have a relationship with my adult children, if my children are adults and they want to have a relationship with me throughout their life, then my life will have been a great success. Literally same story, same exact whole story as the last minute of what you said. So I really, really get that. And um, do you overcompensate because of, have you overcompensated? You know, I feel like we're the world, our kids... When we were kids, people just were like let out the backyard with us. We're doing everything with our kids. We're bonding. We're having moments. We're having experiences. We're talking about our feelings, which we're going to get into your book in a minute. But have you, do you feel like you've done a decent job as a parent? Like I'm present for them and I show okay. up. I, you know, I tell them the truth as much as I can. Um, and I, you know, but if I've overcompensated, it was that I think I wanted, I was afraid of the day that my kids would just, my oldest son, particularly Sam, would just wake up and hate me the way mm -hmm. it happened. And so I overcompensated in that. And I think and in trying to prevent that, it's, it ensures it happens. So mm -hmm. I kind of gave, relaxed enough at a certain point to just trust that my relationship with him is not the one I had with my father. And it's a different thing. It's so, so funny that you say that because we see some of the things we see our parents in us, whether we, you know, loved them, hated them, you know, so we see it. And I have the exact same thing where I'll do something or I'll say something. And obviously I'm acres away from my parents, but you'll, I'll, I have that same thought sometimes. And I'm, I'm obviously 10 years, nine years behind you, but I really, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's not even a rash. It's rational, but sort of not rational because with the kind of parenting, it seems like you're doing and I've done, there'd be no reason for there to be no relationship, but it is a realistic fear i mean it makes sense yeah and i mean that that's why i that's why we walked across spain together was i wanted to sort of segue because you know now he was 19 when we did that and we we he, he wasn't going to tolerate you know day-to-day -day parenting anymore so we had to what's going to fill that void you know and i wanted to show him who i was and to be and to you know the relationship just had to change in a certain way if it was going to grow to a deeper level as opposed to parent and child. To, wow. You know, Tolerate day-to-day -day parenting. That's really interesting and smart. And I've never heard anyone else say that before. He wasn't Because it's true that like a rela even re relationship from like a baby 
for me, it's been like a baby to a tween. Like you're a human being. You have your own decisions. Like I can't just go in there and like pack for you as I want to or organize your closet or make you eat things. You know, that's interesting. So Walking with Sam is the book that you wrote to bridge being someone that you're parenting to being, you know, someone that you have a different parental relationship with. And what was that actually like? How long was the trip? We walked for uh, 500 miles uh, and it was about a month. And it was, you know, it was life changing. It was deep. I did, like I said, I did it 27 years ago and it was life changing the first time when I, as I was mentioning earlier, how fear was revealed to me and that changed my life. And this changed, uh, well, it changed our relationship, the dynamic of it. It, it just, I grew to just trust it more <laughs> and uh, to not need to fix and have answers and solve things. I had the great luxury that you rarely have with adult children, which is time. You know, I was walking beside him every day for 500 miles and I didn't need to solve the problems and give advice. I just mostly just shut up, Andrew. Just let him talk. Let him talk. Maybe you have one little thought. You know, when I did that, I, this happened. And then let him find his own way so that he then, you know, one of the things it's like I've always you advocate for your children. But at a certain point as they're growing and grow into their adulthood, you advocate for them to them, meaning I'm going to tell you what I really think here, Sam, um, and take it, take it or leave it. But I'm advocating for you because I believe this in what you're saying. And you can choose to believe. And so if he knows I'm being truthful and really advocating for him and I have his best interest in my heart, whether he agrees with it or not is fine. But he's more likely to come to me and go, like my son called me the other day and said, Dad, you got seven minutes? I'm like, yeah, go. And he said, I'm thinking this about my relationship. And I just listen and go, that sounds about right. That sounds human. All right, got to go. Bye. You know, and so it's it's just changing. And, and I never had that with my father. My father was a terrifying man, and then there was no relationship. So mm-hmm. there's no put for it in my life. So just figuring out how to be there and be sort of, how do we, and I'm not interested in being my son's pal or his buddy. I'm his dad. I'll always be his dad. That's what I want. Go out into the world, look behind you, and I'm here. But you go on, and I'll be mm-hmm. back. And, you know, that's... And so anyway, our walk and the book was about sort of coming to know each other as adults and sort of parenting and childing and, you know, what that entails. It's so funny because the thing that jumped off the page was you saying, let him talk. And I find that, you know, how is school today? That stupid thing that starts when kids are young is the word like they will never tell you how school was. And how is that? And who'd you hang out with today? What, how is whatever? Like, it's the worst thing ever. They'll never say anything then. And I find that, you know my daughter's a very old soul and she'll say to me, can we be present? Like she'll say that at a meal or in a car. And I realized, cause, and I put all the pieces together that those are the places where we're just screwing around eating fried food or just driving somewhere. And those are the times when she'll start saying just out of nowhere, something that you would never think she'd say. She'll be like, this person was mean to me today. Something that's monumental, like for her to say to me. And you never get that in those sort of proactive moment so i really i really i can't imagine what it would be like to be on a month-long trip and what would come out by just sitting back and being present you know my son you, get, you sit him down for a chat you never get a word out of him but you get him moving and eventually you know he had just broken up with his first love which is why we went on the trip in the first place he was 19 he had just broken out of the relationship for a year it was a big deal it was his first heartache and he came to me and said dad if you ever want to do that stupid walk you always talk about, I'll go do it. 
And I literally went from that conversation to the other room. My computer bought two tickets to Spain. <laughs> and two days later, we were in Spain walking. Stop. Mine, you know. And so every morning we'd wake up and we'd start walking. And I just knew, just wait, just wait. And whether it took 15 minutes or an hour, eventually Sam would just start. So then she said, and as if we're in the middle of a conversation, and it all would start pouring out. And he just needed to heal and talk. And I was the one that got to be there. And that was a great blessing and gift for me to be able to be present for that you know yes and, you know because when kids are little we were talking about you reminded me earlier when you're talking about your daughter no longer you know you can't tell them what to wear anymore and like my youngest son is nine i still have that great luxury of being able to just make him happy with whatever right. i do you know i can just make him happy in an instant right. you know and that's long gone you know you're it's gone with you now at 12 and it's gone with my adult son and so it's a different dynamic that has to take its place and that takes active I'm discovering active, you know, choices. Right. But you're right. It's always a non sequitur. It's when you're sitting back. Do you used to be able to yeah. take a bath? You know, I'd be in a bath and she'd just say something. So that's a good lesson. Wow. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio... And producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Join Macy's and Girls Inc. to empower a new generation of leaders now during Women's History Month. Throughout March, you can help fund STEM and college and career readiness programming for girls when you donate online to Girls Inc. or round up your purchase. This is amazing. I love that Macy's is giving back, being aware, supporting women, empowering women, acknowledging women, and providing an incredible retail atmosphere and online atmosphere for women. Plus, shop women-owned and founded brands like Kaylee Cosmetics, New Face, and Better Not Younger. Learn more and celebrate the creative power of women now and all year round at Macy's.com slash purpose. Usually when I hear healthy bread, my first thought is goodbye flavor, goodbye texture, goodbye happiness. But Hero Bread is changing all that with zero to one gram of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and a good source of fiber. Hero Bread is delicious and flavorful bread you can feel great about eating. It's like magic. Enjoy the soft, fluffy experience that you love when relishing a refreshing BLT, savory breakfast burrito, or mouth-watering cheeseburger. It's heavenly bread you can indulge in whenever and have peace of mind serving your family for lunch, road trips, after-school snacks, whenever. And that's not all. Hero Bread is listening to their biggest fans and has just launched their new recipe made with heart-healthy olive oil. So if your goals involve eating healthier without sacrificing flavor, check out Hero Bread's sliced bread and tortillas. Get 10% off Hero Bread's new recipe with code JUSTBE at checkout today at Hero.co. That's 10% off with code JUSTBE at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Well, hold on. You have a nine-year-old and a 21-year-old. And how old is your middle child? And she's 16. Oh, so you're like in between all the things I'm talking about. And that's very interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Those are like, you're like in every 
aspect yeah. that's of childhood. That's crazy. Um, what have what has been your rose and your thorn of your career? Not your life, not parenting, just your career. Like the the high the the best thing that you could just remember off the top of your head, and the worst thing if you can, and it may be the same thing. It is the same thing. It's when I was in the Brad Pack, you know. It was, that wow. Was, it was both, I'd say. Although I find it much more interesting now, but that was professionally that was, you know, the bloom and the and the thorn. It is simultaneously for sure. And I'll always be, you know, to, it's the first thing you'll say to me is, "Oh, when you were in the Brad Pack, of course." And that's always and the, you know. To now let that be a dried flower on my shelf is a great thing as opposed to like, fucking rough, you know? <laughs> I get it. Yes, I get it. I'm having a great time right now. I have a podcast re-talking about the housewives and talking about real normal issues via the shit show that it sometimes is. And I'm having a good time. It's like nice when you can have a good relationship with something, you know, that you didn't have a good relationship with. It's really, a, it's nice. It's I fully get that. You're further away from it. But also, I was when I was looking through it, who the Brat Pack was and the movies, it's rare that so many people would have had a career with longevity and like a roller coaster ride. People have had, you know, have really hit it and then had a lull. But like overall, most people in that group have been successful, right? Like, I mean, I'm looking at I was looking yeah. at The Outsiders, looking at St. Elmo's Fire. I was looking at all those movies. People have had good careers. Yeah, I mean, people are still hanging around, you know, and that's a long, that's, you know, almost 40 years ago. And yeah, but it's interesting because ultimately I think the Brad Pack, you know, and I'm in the middle of making a documentary about the Brad Pack. Actually, <sighs> I've gone to see a bunch of the people who I hadn't talked to in 30 odd years. And, you know, if I'd been in the same movies and the term Brad Pack didn't exist, I would be some guy who was in a bunch of some 80s movies. Mm. But because the Brad, I'm part of this iconic um thing that happened in pop culture you know so it's you know ultimately i think been a you know a real blessing in which it just like if you told me that even 10 years ago i would have said you're out of your mind interesting you were part of a pop culture phenomenon i relate to that too for better or for worse the negatives and the, that's funny like you're part of something that was in the zeitgeist in you know <laughs> like to, that's so interesting and are you does everybody are are you do you have any relationship with these people? And are you, quote unquote, the one to do the documentary? Like, does it make sense to everybody? Because, like, there was a comedy documentary recently, and Mike Binder is the one who's narrating it. And it's interesting because he wouldn't be the person you'd think would be doing a documentary on the comedy store. So are people are people really leaning in to do it because you're the one directing it? Well, uh or writing it, what do you do? Said, well, yeah, no, it's me. I'm just sort of getting my car and or on the plane and just go to people's houses and say, let's talk about this. I haven't seen you okay. in 30 years. Great to see you. This is what it did to my life. What did it do to yours? And it did the exact same thing to all our lives, you know? And uh, so it's been interesting. And a lot of people, several people said, well, you're the only one who could do this. And I'm not sure uh. why I say that. But, you know, and there are other people, there are a couple that just don't want to talk about it. I'm not talking about that. You know, the whole thing is that it's what I find fascinating. Still, thirty-five years later, whatever long it is, it's still so raw to some people. I don't want to talk about that. It's like really, wow. That which just sort of proves my point that it was such a seminal experience. And yes, all you know? I'm excited so for it. I can't believe it hasn't been done. Like I'm now thinking about. You, well, I can I, tell you why it hasn't been done is because no one from the outside. We, I would certainly never talk to anybody oh. from the outside. Like Emilio came. I said, Emilio. He said. I would never have talked to anybody about this, but you. Like if so, I've been asked, and I've been asked dozens and dozens uh. of times. If you're doing a Rat Pack kind of thing, and uh, no, not interested, not interested. 
And so it was because it was one of us kind of shaping it. Because we're members, like you are, of this club. Oh, my God. I'm upset. You don't understand. I watched, I've watched Santa Almost, I watch it now. I will never turn Santa Almost Fire off. There are only, how many movies in your life will you never, I will never turn Schindler's List off. I probably won't, I won't turn Wall Street off. I I would turn The Shining off, but maybe, like, there's just some weird move That, St. Elmo's Fire, and also about last night, I will never turn them off. Never would I not stop and watch whatever scene, and I know every word to every scene. What, and what about you? What are the movies that you would uh, not mine would stop? Be, uh, mine would be Jaws and uh, probably The Godfather, the two movies I'd go, oh. Oh, God, okay. yeah. This is what I'm doing for the next hour and a half. Thank you. Yes, but I mean, St. Elmo's, the music, like, everything. I mean, I, and, and. The wind in that room with Demi Moore. I'm there right now. Like, I'm in the argument. You're t- t- so neurotic with the smoking in the ashtray and the apartment. Like, there is not a scintilla of any of those movies that you've been in that I don't know. And I mean, were you in, pri- you were in private school, no? No. Who was in private school? James I Spader? Know. I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, there's not a moment. Class, all of it. So anyway, I get it. I can't. You tell me the minute it's out, I'm there. I will be... The spo- I will be, I laughed, I cried, it's better than cats. I'll be your, like, <laughs> spokesperson. I really enjoyed you, and I appreciate the time, and I'm excited for you and your book and just all of it. Like, I'm now a fan again. I'm a new fan. I'm a new old fan. Me too. Awesome. Thank you so much. Andrew, nice to meet you, and I wish you the best of everything. Thanks. You too. You're great. Awesome. Likewise. interviewed Andrew McCarthy and like I didn't want to be weird and I wasn't weird because he was so cool and we're peers I'm peers with Andrew McCarthy you don't understand we are getting fucking Matt Dillon on this podcast and I'm gonna try to remain cool Andrew McCarthy was like the guy that like I could actually marry Matt Dillon was like the hot sort of bad boy that I could maybe like date or sleep with I don't think at that age I was even thinking that but like you don't understand I just interviewed Andrew McCarthy and we're like adults with kids talking like peers I lived for him. I wanted to crawl inside the movies and be there and move there. I used to cry about it. Like, you don't under, you do understand. Duran Duran, Matt Dillon, but Andrew McCarthy was my number one. Loved James Spader, too. But, like, Andrew McCarthy had, like, the warm and fuzzy of it all. Like, the boyish charm. I, he's so interesting, so amazing, so smart, so textured, so deep. And, like, to talk about the Brat Pack, to what now I know a member of the Brat Pack, what the fuck are you talking about? The Brat Pack was everything. For those of you who are younger, you don't understand. It was, like, this group of young Hollywood idol icons that got into trouble and were, like, bad boys and bad girls, but, like, came up together in this group. And the movie Saint Almost Fire crystallized it. And, like, I I would watch it right now. I would stop this podcast if it were on television. I would not be able to turn away obsessed he was amazing buy his book he's a great writer and i loved it and i'm so excited and he's one of those people that's really smart and like complex so i think my my publicist was even worried that like it you know he might want to sort of get off after five minutes because some people are just don't like campy bullshit interviews so excited loved it loved so happy Hey, it's Bethany. I hope you're still sticking to your health-based New Year's resolution, but if not, I have a way to help you out. Hero Bread listened to the needs of people like you and me. Their new bread has zero to one gram of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, it's high in fiber, and now it's made with olive oil for more healthy fats. 
And it's the fluffy, delicious bread that tastes great with anything or just by itself. Get 10% off your first order with code JUSTBE at Hero.co. That's JUSTBE at Hero.co. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.